Welcome to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. Along with my brother Rick, we examine current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Rick, if I had to ask you one question, why do you do this? Why are we doing this radio program? What would you tell people? Well, I'd say one word, Jimmy, hope. If we look at this whole situation, we look at Bible prophecy, and Bible prophecy is one-third of the Bible, or roughly one-third of the Bible, and we look at that God has a plan. It seems like if you look at what's taking place in the world right now, there are so many things, and we're going to talk with Ken shortly, there are so many things that seem so dangerous, and the world seems so out of control, but then we realize that God does have a plan, and that plan is coming together. It sure is. And, you know, as we look at it, the season is ripe and it has been ripe for a long time. But Mm -hmm. every single day as we examine these events and again, we understand how Bible prophecy or our understanding of Bible prophecy and how it's going to play out. And we work backwards from that. It's interesting today in our program, as we talk to Ken Timmerman, David Dolan, uh, I'm bringing back Tom Meyer. Tom Meyer's, uh, Rick, a good friend of ours. Uh, He's had us out to Shasta Bible College for a conference. He was on Fox News twice this week on his endeavor, which they're calling the Great Recital. (laughs) They're, They're reciting the whole New Testament. First time it's ever been done. We'll have Tom reporting to us today. R.C. Merle will be back. And then, of course, the Legacy Series with Dr. Jimmy DeYoung. So I'm looking forward to our program today. There's a lot to cover, so we might as well get started on that right now. Ken Timmerman joins us this week. He's our expert in geopolitical affairs. You can find out more about him at KenTimmerman.com. Ken, thank you for joining us this week. Rick, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Well, Ken, we will pick up where we left off last week, and there's so much going on with Vladimir Putin, Russia, and the crisis in Ukraine. And now this week, the European Union says that Putin is not bluffing, and they are not bluffing. They are going to respond and annihilate Russia if they cause a nuclear attack. Rick, what we are seeing is that the two major players here in a direct NATO-Russia confrontation are walking up this ladder of escalation. So far, this war has been between Russia and Ukraine, but increasingly, it is becoming a NATO-Russia war. So this week, you had the foreign policy chief of the European Union, not even a NATO official, but the foreign policy chief of the European Union saying to the Russians that should you use tactical nuclear weapons or any kind of nuclear weapons, Uh, we will respond militarily in such a way that the Russian army will be, quote, annihilated. Now, that's a pretty strong statement. Hmm. And he was saying we won't necessarily respond. We're not telling you we're going to respond with a nuclear attack. uh, And it shows you there the extent to which NATO still has a reservoir of conventional resources that they could bring to bear in this war should they so choose. So uh, I have been saying for many weeks, and we've been talking about it on the show, Rick, that this war is going to get worse. It is going to escalate. We have definitely not seen the end of it yet. And this week's missile attacks on Kiev and other Ukrainian cities show that Russia uh, can also up its conventional game and can wreak havoc, basically terror attacks on Ukrainian civilians. But the NATO side, the European side, also has a lot of weapons still in its arsenal that have not yet been deployed. So uh, just hold on, folks. Uh, Fasten your seatbelts. Well, recently, and as you kind of mentioned, Kremlin officials have warned of a guaranteed 
escalation. So when you say, and I don't know, explain to me how this works, Ken. When you say that they will annihilate Russia, how do they do that without risking further nuclear conflict? Well, the only uh, NATO power to date that has really been sinking resources into Ukraine in any uh, significant way has been the United States. The Germans haven't shipped weapons. The French have only sent some. Uh, the Brits haven't sent much. Uh, they've sent some uh, anti-tank missiles, but not an awful lot. Uh, you know, Zelensky has been asking for air defense uh, missiles, for example, uh, so they can protect the Ukrainian cities from the kind of attack that happened just this week. Uh, we haven't really given them much of anything except for a handful of stingers. So that's one thing that we could do. Second thing we can do is increase the shipment of HIMARS, these high mobility uh, artillery rocket systems that have been just devastating to the Russians. They've given the Ukrainians a uh, long range artillery, 45 to 50 mile range uh, artillery that allows them to hit behind the lines at Russian logistics uh, depots and staging uh, platforms at headquarters. Uh, they've been hitting Russian generals and, and senior officers. Uh, this is something that it's really hitting into the hornet's nest, and they are, they are getting very, very worried about this. There was a tremendous report earlier this week in the Wall Street Journal uh, with a reporter who actually embedded with a Ukrainian HIMARS unit. And the technology involved here is absolutely extraordinary. Uh, from the old style weapons that we were using in the 80s, the 90s, even the 2000s, uh, rocket launch systems and, and long range artillery, uh, those weapons would take five, six, eight minutes to move into position, fire their uh, barrage and then move away. These new systems, the HIMARS, they take 30 seconds. They arrive and the, hmm. they, they, they plot a firing trajectory. They go to an, a new site where they're going to launch their rockets. And within 30 seconds, they've launched the rockets and they're gone. So there's no counter battery attack. And the Russians don't know what to do about this. This is a game changing weapon. We could deliver more of those. And there's much, much more besides. If Europe was really going to get serious, if they believed that the Russians had gone beyond conventional escalations, they could move in with tanks. They could move in with ground units as well. So there is a lot, a lot that the Europeans and NATO could do should they decide to really engage this war, which they have not done yet. Well, Ken, even further complicating this situation is the NATO nuclear exercises that are coming up. That's right. Both NATO and Russia mm. are having nuclear exercises starting next week, Rick, on Monday. And these are annual exercises. OK, they're things that both sides do every year. They test their nuclear weapons. They test. Um, they don't live fire the nuclear weapons, but they certainly do test the missiles and they test the forces and the deployment. Uh, this is going to be a very, very testy moment this coming week because of these exercises and and. People are going to be talking, I think, in the media about the war scare we had in 1983 during a very similar circumstance where NATO had an annual exercise called Reforger, which was U.S. reinforcement to European forces on the ground in the event of a Soviet uh, attack across the Fulda Gap in Germany. The Russians went on full nuclear alert during those exercises because they believed NATO was actually using them as a foil for a real attack. That could be happening next week. So watch your dial next week. This is a testy moment that we're approaching. 
It certainly does seem like a very dangerous times that we're living in and so many different things going on over there. If you look at it, uh, I know a strong majority of countries voted at the UN to censor Russia. And I mean, I think they're losing allies there. And even the EU says that we are distancing ourselves from Russia. Well, well, that's right. The uh, the UN vote this week was over the legitimacy of Russia's self-declared annexation of parts of Ukraine. And uh, obviously they lost the vote. The U.S. lobbied very heavily. But uh, the Chinese abstained. They are members of the permanent members of the UN Security Council. India abstained. Pakistan abstained. Uh, and, and so it was not a unanimous anti Russian vote. You had something like 35 countries uh, that abstained in Africa, in Latin America, as well as as also in Asia. Uh, importantly, I think, from some of our discussions, Saudi Arabia did not. So the Saudis voted against Russia at the same time they mm. voted with Russia uh, <laughs> on OPEC plus to restrict their uh, oil supplies in the coming weeks. By the way, a direct slap in the face to President Biden, who had asked mm -hmm. them directly if they could hold off that production decline until after the midterm elections. Very interesting outcome there. Well, uh, somebody that has not abandoned Russia is Iran. Iran has problems of their own right now with the protests, but they seem to be sending drones to Russia to help in their fight against Ukraine. That's right. And those drones were among the weapons that were used against uh, Ukrainian uh, cities, civilian targets, this past week. There were kamikaze drones uh, in addition to Russian uh, longer range missiles. So uh, the Iranians are all in right now with Russia. It's, you've got this alliance. It's the it's the Russia, China, Iran mm -hmm. alliance uh, increasingly against the West. You mentioned the European Union and and the fact that this war is pushing them closer to the United States. Uh, it's also simultaneously pushing them away from Russia and China. The EU investment, for example, in China dropped by 12 percent in 2020. Now, in part, that was because of COVID. But since then, the Chinese have increased barriers to European investment. And so you see European countries looking increasingly to the United States uh, and not to Russia and China. And one final update, we talked about Iran right there, but can you just tell us where we are at there? I know I've felt, and it seems to me like the Ayatollah there and the Islamic regime there in Iran is not going to allow these protests to go on much longer, are they? That's something we've got to watch, Rick. They've gone on for nearly a month, and the protests are nationwide in Iran today, and it's the entire youth of the country that has risen mm. up as one and the regime is frustrated. They don't know how to shut them down. They have arrested everybody that they can find in some kind of leadership position, and it doesn't do any good. The, uh, the, the young people just continue to reorganize and uh, launch new demonstrations. So now what they're trying to do, in addition to mass arrests, and they've arrested thousands of people so far, now they're starting to kill people on the street. They're going to do uh, essentially what they did in 2019, which is to beat these protesters to mm. death, to beat the movement into silence, uh, to kill as many people as they need to do to shut it down. Well, Ken, very serious times that we're living in right now. We appreciate your efforts to educate our listeners on these things that are taking place across the world that have so much consequence. Thank you so much for what you do, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Rick. It's always a pleasure to be with you. God bless. You know, Rick, David James used to call it the downward spiral of humanity. 
I think once we start seeing these countries spiral out of control, it's only going to get worse and it's going to get much, much worse. Well, we've got to take a break. And when we come back, David Dolan with our Middle East News Update right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. I'm Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. Over 200 Iranian people, mostly women, have been murdered since nationwide protests broke out against the regime on September 17th. Thousands have been arrested since then. Joe Willie with Sat7 USA says this time Iranian men are standing up alongside women. In 2021, Sat7 had 47,000 discussions with Iranians over social media channels. Now, authorities have throttled the internet, but that doesn't affect satellite TV. Ask God to continue changing Iranian culture. And Bibles for the World recently participated in a large evangelistic event in Mongolia. They worked with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association in Mongolia's capital city of Ulaanbaatar. Over 2,000 people said they would follow Jesus. John Podidi says they distributed 38,000 Gospels of John as people left the arena. Now, the ministry will provide 250,000 more Gospels of John, which will be distributed by partners throughout the country. Mission Network News, a service of One Way Ministries. I'm Ruth Kramer. The book of Revelation is God's final word to man and the timeline of the last days revealed to the Christians. This symbolism-filled example of apocalyptic literature can be difficult to understand, especially when simply reading it from beginning to end. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation, A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy-to-understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation, A Chronology, and let Dr. Jimmy DeYoung aid you in your understanding of this profound end-times prophecy book that God has preserved in His Scriptures for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy D. Young's Revelation, a chronology, call us toll-free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today Radio, the program that looks at current events in the light of Bible prophecy. This is the segment of our program where we have our Middle East news update. We focus on news coming out of the Middle East in general and Israel in particular. And to do that, we have with us Dave Dolan. Dave, thank you for joining us. I am blessed to be with you, Rick. Well, Dave, seems like the last 24 to 48 hours, there has been quite a bit going on in Israel. Uh, Violence has erupted between the Palestinians and the Israelis. Can you give us an update on that? Well, of course, Rick, you'll recall that last week we spoke about the fact, sad fact, that during the Jewish holidays, holy days uh, in the spring and fall in particular, there's usually an uptick in Palestinian violence. And uh, sure enough, we had that on Rosh Hashanah earlier, but sure enough, this week, the Feast of Tabernacles saw a major escalation in violence in and around Jerusalem in particular and in northern Samaria. It all began Saturday evening when an Israeli soldier, uh, an 18-year-old female border police unit member, was shot dead by a passing gunman near the uh, Shufat neighborhood of northeast Jerusalem. She'd been guarding there, and that set off Israeli action naturally to go and find the killer. They found who it was. They haven't apprehended him, but the Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade, the uh, Fatah ruling Fatah party in 
Judea and Samaria and the West Bank claimed responsibility for the attack, and she was buried. Then on Tuesday, another soldier was killed, uh, a little bit older uh, man, actually an immigrant from uh, Brazil, was killed, a security guard in northern Samaria. And uh, then on Wednesday was the annual priestly blessing. Uh, you know all about that, when uh, Jewish kohanim or priests gather uh, near the Western Wall, uh, near the Temple Mount, to do the um, annual water libation celebration. I won't go into all, all of that. People can look it up if they don't know about it. But that took place, and there was extra security and a lot of threats being issued by Palestinian groups over that. And by the way, Rick, it comes as the number of Jewish visitors to the Temple Mount continues to climb, uh, with over 6,000 said to have come so far this Jewish month, which has 10 days left in it, so it will break all records. And they're going up not as before in twos or threes or sevens and tens, but even several hundred at a time have been going up. So the Palestinians were screaming about that. And Wednesday evening, soon after the ceremony ended, rioting broke out all over uh, Jerusalem and its suburbs, uh, the Arab neighborhoods in particular. Um, the Jerusalem mayor's car was pelted with stones. Uh, Molotov cocktails were thrown uh, at Israeli vehicles and Israeli soldiers. Uh, more seriously, fireworks were fired by many Palestinians at Israeli police and soldiers. Um, uh, the rioting went on well into the night. Several Palestinians were injured, some were arrested. And uh, it was the worst violence we've seen since the second Palestinian uprising um, 20 years ago in and around Jerusalem. So naturally, the Israelis responded uh, with strong security measures. So they called up four reserve border police units to patrol in Jerusalem. This came after the Hamas movement called for a day of rage on Friday for stepped-up violence, which there was some of, but not as bad as they were hoping. But of course, the reinforcement of Israeli forces probably helped to stem that. And meanwhile, there was more violence in the northern Samaria area, as I mentioned. And on Friday, a Palestinian doctor was shot and killed probably by Israeli forces. And uh, as you and I discussed just before going on the air, that sounds, oh, horrible, you know, Israel's killing doctors. But the man was wearing a mask. He was carrying a bunch of guns, and he was standing with a, a group of what are called Lion's Den members. And this is a uh, the terror group in Nablus. It's based in Nablus, but also in the Janine area, it's very active. And that's what Israel's been fighting since April when we saw an uptick of terror attacks emanating from this group. And the group is very significant, Rick, because it's armed. It vows to continue armed attacks against Israelis everywhere. And what it was doing is then in Nablus, uh, it started on Wednesday when uh, Jewish uh, Orthodox Jews were heading to Joseph's tomb. I know this is a lot of detail, but it's all part of the story. And every year during Sukkot, according to the PLO signed peace accord with Israel, the 1993 Oslo Accords, Jews are allowed to go up to Nablus and to pray in Joseph's tomb. It's Joseph, after all, their <laughs> ancient ancestor. And um, the uh, Lion's Den group called for um, violence against them. They called for people to set tires on fire. All of that happened, and there were clashes beginning then. But on Friday, it led to the death 
of this doctor, uh, the severe wounding of another Palestinian. Uh, several Israeli soldiers were wounded. There were clashes elsewhere. So just a week of violence. And uh, Rick, the Israelis are saying this lion's den group is probably a Hamas front group. Hamas is not claiming that, but they are definitely gaining strength, continuing to gain strength in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, continuing with their struggles, they call them, against Israel. And in fact, on Friday, Hamas convened a meeting in Gaza that uh, with other terror groups, and they vowed to continue uh, to respond to the barbaric Zionist aggression in Jerusalem, they called it, regardless of the results, no matter what sacrifices we're going to make, and they called on the masses to come out and respond to, quote, Israel's aggression in Jerusalem. So obviously we're seeing the potential start of another Palestinian armed uprising, Rick, and we're hearing in the Israeli media uh, Rick, that uh, they're contemplating military leaders and political leaders contemplating ordering another major IDF operation in northern Samaria, the northern West Bank, Jenin Nablus, and these other areas that are hotbeds of uh, Palestinian armed resistance, as they call it, and uh, that we may see that coming as well. Well, David, it seems to me, and you say the, the reason for these uprisings is because of activities by the IDF to kind of get at terrorism in the center of the state, an area that we would call Judea and Samaria, but even more so, uh, the Jewish presence that has been increasing over the years. Of course, the status quo was not changing, but the Jewish presence on the Temple Mount has been increasing. Is that fair to say that that's part of the reason that these things are taking place? And actually kind of fulfilling people's narratives, people who want to start a problem, uh, even though, again, this is all under the Oslo Accords. This is all where they're, they're not changing the status quo. They're not doing anything that they're, quote unquote, not allowed to do. No, they're not, Rick. But increasing numbers of Israeli Jews are participating in these trips to uh, the Temple Mount, as we've been talking about record numbers this year. And like I just said, a record number this month. Also, we had for the first time since 2019, before COVID, the annual Jerusalem March took place, including foreign Christians from 70 countries this year. It's gone up to over 100 in previous years, but over 70 came this year, and they marched down the streets of Jerusalem on Thursday. So between the Jewish increasing trips to the Temple Mount, the return of uh, Christians to Jerusalem after a two-and-a-half-year, three-year hiatus, uh, I think we just, frankly, is, see Satan stirred up. The enemy of Israel's existence at all in the spiritual realm stirred up and trying to stir up trouble on the ground again to the point of a third uprising. Of course, Hamas wants to take over entirely Judea and Samaria, uh, the Arab areas. They want to kick uh, Palestinian leader Abbas, who, by the way, met with Vladimir Putin this week at a conference in Kazakhstan and said that he trusts Russia much more than the United States to deal with uh, the Palestinian conflict. And he fully uh, is satisfied with the Russian position, but not with America's. He made some other anti-American statements, so there you go. But uh, yeah, they just want to stir everything up, and Hamas, Islamic Jihad, of course, Iran, as we've discussed many times, 
uh, looking to destroy Israel. And with the rioting troubles there escalating, we're hearing, uh, spreading to all parts of Iran, they may be looking to start a war with Israel as a diversion. So these are very, very, I can't stress this enough for anyone who's listening who prays for Israel, hopefully people do, that this is a time for intense prayer. We have the potential for a major eruption. Of course, we've had that before, but things are looking pretty grim on the ground, and uh, Israel's just dealing with it as best they can. Well, they certainly are, and I was going to bring that up, David. I mean, uh, the psalmist says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and to pray for the peace of all of Israel right now. The situation on the ground is very tense for many different reasons and very complicated reasons. Those are reasons that we go into on this program quite often, but I think uh, suffice to say praying for the peace of Jerusalem and, and for Israel in general would be something that we could exhort our listeners to do right now. Well, David, we appreciate so much your analysis, not only from a solid news and journalistic perspective, but from a biblical worldview as well. Thank you so much for coming on the program to educate the listeners and keeping an eye on all of this information for us. Glad to do it, Rick. God bless. Well, we're going to take a break right now on Prophecy Today Radio, but when we return, we will have Professor Tom Meyer and R.C. Murrow. You won't want to miss that. Stay tuned right here on Prophecy Today Radio. Just how close are we to the rapture of the church? Do events taking place in the Middle East and around the world have prophetic significance? In his latest book, Sound the Trumpets, Jimmy DeYoung examines these questions and explains just how near the rapture of the church could possibly be. By comparing four trends from prophetic scripture to current events taking place in the world today, Jimmy shows that the stage is set, every actor is in place, and the curtain is about to go up on the end-time scenario set forth in the scriptures. Sound the Trumpets is a must-read for every serious student of Bible prophecy. To order your copy of Jimmy DeYoung's new book, Sound the Trumpets, for only $15, call us today at 8-PROPHECY-8. That's 877-674-3298. Or visit us on the World Wide Web at prophecytoday.com. Call today and make sure to get your copy of Sound the Trumpets. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. Along with Rick, we examine current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Rick, that was a great interview with David Dolan. And as far as the people going to the Temple Mount, we do know there are a lot of people that try to get up there. We sure do, Jimmy. We were just there this past Rosh Hashanah, and every night we were actually staying in the old city itself, and every night we were seeing record-breaking crowds of Jewish people going to the Western Wall, but also going up, and there's quite a few of them that are deciding to go up onto the Temple Mount itself. And three times a year, the Jewish people were commanded by God to go to the city of Jerusalem, and apparently that's what they're doing, and especially visiting the Temple Mount in the city of Jerusalem. We have a DVD that we would like to offer. It's called Ready to Rebuild, Revisited. It's the revisiting of our very first video, Ready to Rebuild, 20 years later, looking at what's been done to rebuild the temple in the city of Jerusalem by the Jewish people, the Temple Institute, and all those that are interested in the temple being rebuilt. So if you would like to get that DVD for a gift of any amount, we will gladly send that to you. Just call our ministry at 423-825-6247 and ask for the special offer and that you have a gift that you would like to give Prophecy Today. 
Well, back in August, I believe it was around August, uh, the middle of August, I talked to our next broadcast partner, Tom Meyer. And Tom, welcome to the program today, brother. Thank you, Jimmy. It's glad to be back. Yeah, we've been in Israel. We were there for uh, Rosh Hashanah and uh, right before uh, Yom Kippur and the Feast of Tabernacles. And then I was looking at the news and all of a sudden on Fox News, it says, uh, big headlines, Bibles, New Testament to be spoken aloud from memory, word for word at Texas event. And I was like, that's Tom Myers. Brother, first of all, is it still going on? <laughs> yes, it's still going on. We started Tuesday, and um, Saturday, the 15th, will be the last day, and it's pretty much, Jimmy, every day from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Time. It's live-streamed on the ICR website. On the ICR website, if you could go there, is that ICR.org, or how is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's ICR.org, and there's a link to the YouTube page, and they can go back, and they could watch the previous days of us reciting Scripture. And uh, there's seven of us in all. Uh, seven normal people have uh, have gathered ourselves together. I've collected these people, Jimmy, for lack of a better word, over the last 20 years of ministry, and um, and just you know having it in a rolodex, as it were, to say like, okay, this person can do Matthew, and that person can do Mark, and this person can do Luke, and this person, you know. So there's seven of us, and we're doing the whole New Testament from heart, like you alluded to. And we're piggybacking, not that the church replaces Israel, everybody knows that, but along those lines, right, during this time of year, when every seven years, as you know, they would read aloud the Torah mm. uh, in, in, in that light, in that vein. We're doing it right before the midterms, a public proclamation of the Word of God. Wow, I love what it says on the article. Uh, for the first time ever, the entire New Testament of the Bible will be spoken aloud, word for word, by memory on stage. Tom Meyer a professor of Bible studies from Northern Kentucky, had the idea of bringing people together to recite God's Word without a script. Now, you do have a script. It's the Bible, but you're not. the Bible is in your mind and in your heart, and you're saying it out loud. And we've talked so many times about why Bible memory, uh, uh, memorizing the Bible is so very important. And why did you do it? I know that, so you, you gave us a little explanation. We just talked to David Dolan about what's going on in Israel. I'll be back in Israel again in October. But right now, there are two more days, uh, uh, at least, uh, of uh, Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles, why at this time? Right. Well, that's the million-dollar question, right? Why did we do it when we did it? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one is, is like I just briefly alluded to, that every seven years when they read aloud the law, they would do so to, to, have, to have the people know what God required of thee as an individual and as a nation, and, to, and then to act accordingly to ensure the divine blessings of Yahweh on the nation of Israel in antiquity, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And... We're doing it when we're doing it, not only because it's during Sukkot, during Tabernacles, but because there's an election, a pivotal election coming up. And we are making God's Word known to the country. I mean, it's so rare and special and precious what we're doing, like you alluded to, like Fox News did two stories on us. The yes. Oh, Yahoo wow. Yahoo did stories on us, or Yoohoo, whatever you call yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so, so the, it's, it's garnered attention, which is what we were going for. We're going for people hearing God's word like they've maybe never heard it before. And you know, like I'm a my big soapbox or one of my soapboxes is on the orality of Scripture, that the Bible is originally meant more for the ears than the eyes. 
and you know faith comes by hearing and be mm-hmm. doers that we're not hearers only and you know hero israel the lord our god is one we have all these verses don't we that emphasize the orality of scripture and we really don't hear god's voice in a literal sense that much throughout the course of the week if you think about it right and so that's another reason why we did what we did is so that people could hear what god requires and then go vote accordingly in just a couple of weeks or so yes uh, and i'm going to go back and forth between the feast of tabernacles and what you're doing and i know right now you're at uh a museum where you have lots of things going on you have people there you have uh, dinosaurs making noises. I, I know you said you were walking through <laughs> a mini Grand Canyon. Um, and I want to yeah. find out a little bit more about that as to we probably have families that would like a destination location to go to to kind of see sure. these things. But Feast of Tabernacles, one of the three feasts where Jewish young men were called to go, commanded to go up to Jerusalem. And it, it, so every seven years they would sit around and... Who recited this in the in in those times? Well, in antiquity, from everything I could discover, they would never recite it, for you know, because for God forbid they said the instead of the, okay, or left out an a, or left out a conjunction or something. They may wanted to make sure they didn't leave out one word. We want to make sure we don't leave out one word either, you know. So they 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 from what I could glean from my studies in Jerusalem, they would never ever recite it from memory. They would always read it, even though they knew it from heart. Okay. Yeah. But um, you know, by doing that though in antiquity, like we alluded to earlier, every seven years, then you could because remember, Jimmy, they're living in a world where nobody has a copy of the Bible at home. Right. Okay? Right. So the only ones who have a copy of scriptures are like in the first century. It seems to be like the rich and the famous. Yes. Like Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. Remember how she went and purchased, had her the eunuch purchase a scroll of Isaiah in Jerusalem. Remember, and on yes. the way home, the prophet came to him. Yep. Yep. So. So Right. So we want to proclaim God's Word in such a way that most people have never, ever heard it before. And we're doing it. You know, these people that God has brought to me, He's brought to me in a special way. It's hard to find someone, Jimmy, who has the whole book of Matthew memorized. <laughs> Not the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Not the Sermon on the Mount. The whole book. And you know what? I got a, a, about a year ago, I was uh, in a Acts and Facts magazine with ICR, who's kind enough to host the event. But anyways, I, you know, there was a little blurb and that this event is coming up in a year. Well, I got a piece of fan mail from a, a retired school teacher in Kokomo, Indiana, that, oh, I have the entire book of Matthew memorized if you need me. <laughs> and I wow. just so happen to need someone to do So God really put all these pieces of the puzzle together to honor him in this special way right now. Yeah. Uh, Tom, why do you do this? Why, why do I mean, we do what we do? Yeah, why right. do you do what you do? Why And why is your family involved and you've, you've moved and you're doing this? Tell me why you do this. Well, we do it because God's Word is precious, and God's Word is pure, and God's Word is authoritative, and God's Word is true. And like I alluded to a bit earlier, we really don't hear God's voice, Jimmy. We talk about Him, which is yes. fine. We sing about Him, which is great. We, we preach and teach and exegete his word, which is awesome, but very rarely do we hear his voice. Mm. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. So people could hear, maybe in a way they'd never heard it before. The, I, compared to hearing Mozart versus reading Mozart. You know, mm-hmm. you could read Mozart on the page all the day long. Right. And say, oh, but that sounds really nice. <laughs> but if someone plays it, you know, and if someone plays it, especially from memory, and someone who believes in it and could do it with their eyes closed and 
get into it. It just takes on a whole new dimension, doesn't it? Yes, it sure does. And I know that uh, you said you have two articles on Fox News this week. Uh, we're going to post them to our, our website so that people can take a look if they happen to miss it. I don't, I, if you follow news, whatever your news source is, uh, hopefully you saw it. But uh, Tom, you, you're not only on Fox News, but you have other media outlets. For instance, in England, I know I've seen a lot of your articles appear in, uh, what is it? Daily What's, Express. The yeah, Daily you know? Express, yeah they, yeah. they talk about the sites in Israel and why that's oh, important. My exactly. It was it happened in, in the plague, in the middle of the plague. That's what I call COVID. Okay? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And everyone was, everyone's stuck at home and yeah. everyone's staring at their screens. And like website hits are going through the roof. And I'm praying, God, use me in a special way right now that you could have not used me before. And for in his grace and his providence, he opened a door as clear as day for me to work with this secular, totally liberal, Jimmy, newspaper in in London, the home of Charles Spurgeon, mm. right? Yep. The home of, I mean, you know, Whitcliffe and Tyndale and yes. all these heroes of the faith, right? They're as godless as Sodom is right now, essentially. Exactly. And so I, I did 100 interviews during the first 500 days of the plague, and each interview demonstrated the reliability and the accuracy of Scripture as seen through these stones, these archaeological objects that cry out to the truth of God's Word. So God, long and short, God's blessing us in innumerable ways. I think today, Tom, uh, on our program, I think uh, my message to folks that are listening, look, this is not just for me to do, this is not just for you to do, all of us could play a role, and we just need to figure out, and if we go to God's Word, Make sure that it's right. real in our lives, not only just for, uh, you know, when we're at church or when we're at prayer meeting on Wednesday night, but every, in, in business, in our daily lives, every aspect of our lives, God's Word should be relevant for us, correct? Amen and amen. Yes, and I, I hope that, uh, folks, you will go there. Where can they see the articles that uh, you did on Daily Express sure. besides going to Daily Express? Right. Uh, yeah, just go to our website, thebiblememoryman.com, and on the media tab, there's a laundry list of stories that they could uh, <laughs> click on, and they'll lead them to where they need to go. I like that laundry list. And I want to give a shout-out to the ICR, the people at ICR and the Discovery Center that are hosting this event, Jimmy. You know, we wanted to host this event somewhere special, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere that had the, the, the capability, not only the technological capability to live stream this in a beautiful, clear live stream to the four corners of the earth, but also had the capability of, of hosting all the people coming. But not only that, a ministry that was that is well known for their high view of inspiration and infallibility mm-hmm. and inerrancy. And good night. The Discovery Center here is beautiful. It's yeah. a multi, multi million dollar facility right here in Dallas that I call it the other creation museum. Yeah. Because you know, I mean, there's no rival of the Creation Museum. Let's not kid ourselves. It was built 15 years ago, and it came first. Yeah. And this one's been around for a few years. But yeah. this is a beautiful place to, to come to, to bring your families to. So the Discovery Center Institution of Creation Research in Dallas. And I like yep. what it says, uh, you know, the great recital. I love that, Tom. Thank you for bringing scripture alive again for people to see for families i'm sure you have a lot of people following you online uh, on the website uh what you're doing probably a lot in attendance uh, and maybe hopefully this will spark other churches to do this people to do this to encourage folks to hide god's word in our heart uh, and the days in which we're living we're we're continually seeing 
uh, persecution for um, believers uh, all around the world, all around the world. And the, they can take away our Bibles, but the one thing that they can't take away unless God allows it to happen is to take away what God has in our heart. And the only way that he would allow that is if we're taken home to be with him, correct? And so, you know, when we have this hid in our hearts and we are able to recite it, make it a part of us, uh, it's going to impact our lives, right? Amen and amen. I I was going to say the same exact thing. Great minds think alike. Yeah. Tom, thank you so much for joining with us today. Thank you. Uh, we're going to keep continuing to pray for you. You end up on Sunday, on the last day of Sukkot, or which? how's that work? Uh, Shabbat. On today, this evening, Shabbat, you will end up uh, with the last of the recital. Yep. And uh, is, are you doing the last, the book of Revelation? Even so, come, Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> all right. Amen. Well, folks, we'll 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 be praying for Tom Meyer as he's out there and he's doing what he's doing. And uh, uh, Tom Meyer's our professor of Bible. Folks, go to his website, BibleMemoryMan.com. Thank you. Well, Tom Meyer, he's always uh, and and really memorization is so very important. And I love to catch up with him to find out what's going on and and what they're doing at ICR and uh, the the marathon of uh, telling and reciting the New Testament from heart. Well, I just had a conversation with a gentleman and um, before we went on the air, uh, he's actually an AC tech and uh, he's a believer. And he asked me the question, Jimmy, you know, in America today, where did we go wrong? It seems like wokeism and uh, the the systematic thought of anti-God being around. Where did we go wrong in America? Well, my next guest, believe it or not, he's uh, no stranger to these airwaves. Uh, R.C. Murrow, welcome to the program today. Thank you, Jimmy. Nice to be back with you. Yes, sir. And so, R.C., I want to ask you that question. Where did we go wrong in America and uh, our role as being a Christian nation? And today we're fighting for even for the church to even to continue to exist and be relevant in today's society. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's probably probably the problem, just what you just said. Is the church going to survive? Um, we have been through... Uh, a couple of this, especially in the last few years with COVID and churches shutting down for a number of years. I mean, the, the, the largest growing religion right now is called nuns, right? No right. <laughs> no, yeah. So, so this would be a problem. And this is going to just cause ripple uh, problems going throughout our entire society. As we, as we start ignoring God, we are going to just go off the rails and, and anything becomes possible when there is no God in our lives. And the family the family unit is breaking up. It's under attack from so many, so many views and so many different ideologies that are that are coming at us. Without going into all of them, they are just trying to rip the family apart, and they're doing a great job at it. And, and with the family falling apart and no one leading from a, from the no fathers, many households have no fathers in them anymore, and no one's leading their children. Nobody's leading their wives into 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 a relationship with Christ. Uh, we start to fall apart. Mm, so true. And I would probably say back when we took the Bible and prayer out of schools and uh, we started going the way. But, you know, uh, we could have yeah. carried that on. We don't have to let government carry the flag for what we believe. We need to, as believers, we need to stand up, correct? That's absolutely right. And RC, why do you continue to do this? Your website and the information that you provide for us, why do you continue to do this? 
you know, Jimmy, my my stories. I came from a from a background of a legalistic denomination that focused more on tradition than it did on scripture. In fact, we were pretty much discouraged from trying to read scripture on our own. So I, I really didn't have much knowledge of it um, and, until one day somebody handed me a book of the called The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey, and I remember I remember reading it and I and mm. I thought it was really interesting and I thought it probably had a lot of validity to it, but I just put it down and didn't think about it for a while. Fast forward several decades, and I was on a, on a flight from uh, Dallas to San Diego, and I happened to sit next to a fellow that got into a conversation with, found out he was a Bible teacher from the Southern Baptist Seminary in Kentucky. And when I got off that plane three hours later, I understood, I understood justification by faith, something I'd never completely, <laughs> never understood before. My life started to change that day, and it wasn't long after that that I went back and got that book out by Hal Lindsey and started looking at it again, and and I just became convinced that prophecy is something I needed to know more about. So I started joining Bible study groups. I I joined national groups. Whenever your dad came to the town I was living in, I was there for his his, uh, prophecy teachings. Uh, I, I learned about uh, uh, John Wolver, Dr. John Wolver. I learned about, and I started acquiring a little library. Uh, I joined an Omega Letter Fellowship for nine or ten years with Jack Kinsella and and uh, Jack Kelly. Other names started coming into my life, and I mm-hmm. started to learn things. And and Jimmy, when I started learning them, I had to share them. I had to get them out. <laughs> so I was driving my family crazy. They'd come home, and, and I'd be all over them to tell them what. One new things. I think they thought I was crazy. I, it was every day. Yeah. So finally, one of my sons, my son said to me one day, Dad, why don't you do a blog? This way you can share this stuff with everybody. And I said, gee, I, that sounds great. But what's a blog? I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> so he said, let me give you, I'll set you up one. So he sat down and he set me up with a little Google blog. Uh, this was 2011, about three days before the Arab Spring began. And it didn't take long with Jack Kinsella's help. He put my blog as a recommended reading on his site. Uh, pretty soon I had a, a, an interesting group of people coming in every day. And the more they came, the harder I worked and the more I studied and the more I wanted to follow the events, current events. And it just kept going until I, 11 years later, uh, Jimmy, nothing's changed. It's the first thing I do in the morning. It's the last thing I do at night. Um, we're on this thing all day. We're looking for headlines. We're looking to match it up. I, I kind of feel, I kind of feel like it's a practice, if mm, you will. Like it, like very good. It, you know, a practice. It forces me into the scriptures all over the place, and it just it takes me in so much. The blog takes me in a lot of directions, and it it it, it just keeps me in the Word all the time. Good. So that's that's my story. Wow, what a testimony, and Thank what you. a true. Uh, you know, you're doing what you can. And that's the, really what each one of us should do. Not just Rick and I, not just you, just uh, all these ministry heads. We all should be. And sometimes that's that's the problem. We always let somebody else do it for us, and we don't get involved. But each and every single one of us have the ability to do this and uh, to find out where God uh, has us to have a place in this world uh, to share uh, about God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. Well, thank you, R.C., for sharing that with us. Well, there's an interesting article out this week uh, about a topic you and I have been talking about for months. A major change is coming to the global monetary system that could replace the U.S. dollar as the world reserve currency with special drawing rights, followed by the central bank digital currencies. 
So, uh, you know, Jimmy, the, uh, the article you mentioned is from a website called International Man by a long-time, a long-time market researcher and speculator by the name of Doug Casey. The writer of the article, this guy, uh, Nick Giambruno, said this. He said, the current monetary system is on its way out. Even the central bankers running the system can see it. And that is why they're preparing for what comes next as they attempt to reset the entire system. Jimmy, I agree with the economic system of the U.S. and EU are in serious trouble due to massive money printing that began in 2008 <laughs> and nine, the 8 and 9 financial crisis and almost unbelievable monetary mistakes of the Federal Reserve and the European Central Bank, who waited almost seven months to start to raise interest rates to slow inflation. SDRs are a logical choice to replace the U.S. dollar since the certificates are already in place. RC, can you go over again what an SDR is and how they work? I can. And by recalling a conversation you and I had December 17th, 2021, on this exact topic, the Global Times had reported that both China and Russia, who had been trying to remove the dollar as world reserve currency for over a decade. And to understand China's motives, we need to go back to 2016 when the Chinese yuan was added to the basket of currencies called the SDR, or special drawing rights that were designed to function as an emergency world currency in case of a meltdown of the U.S. dollar. So think of the SDR as a basket of currencies made up of the U.S. dollar, the euro, the yen, the British pound, and now the yuan, giving China hopes that one day to dethrone the dollar, making the new digital yuan the world reserve currency. Jimmy, the idea that the SDR and the CBDC could happen at relatively the same time is very possible. And the reason may be found in an announcement made this past Tuesday by the Treasury Department that U.S. national debt crossed $31 trillion. Now, to make matters worse, the question is who will continue to finance that debt now that foreign investors, mm. led by Japan and China, have been consistently reducing their U.S. government bond holdings since 2014. Wow. What could happen if foreign investors lose faith in the U.S. dollar and stop buying our debt? Yeah, the, the answer isn't pretty. Either <laughs> interest rates will have to rise exponentially to attract buyers to buy our bonds, or nations will switch to an alternative store of value like gold. You know, it's, an it's an open secret that China and Russia have been stockpiling gold for years. Mm. Wow. R.C., we know that Bible prophecy has a lot to say about how money plays a major role in the last days and specifically in the books of Daniel and Revelation. Help our listeners to connect the dots. Yeah, Jimmy, when central bank digital money is implemented, it will create an authoritarian government, the likes of which the world has never seen before. And it will happen in all 90 nations of the world that have functioning central banks. In our post from July 9th, 2022, titled Biden to Replace the U.S. Dollar, mm -hmm. we quoted economist Jim Rickards, who said this, the U.S. paper dollar will be, made, will be made obsolete. The cash currency we now have will be replaced with a new programmable digital token, and the new currency will allow total control of all American citizens as every digital dollar will be programmed by the government who will be able to track and control every purchase we make. Now, once that happens... The stage will be set for one man to stand up, whom Daniel 7.20 describes as having an appearance and a demeanor that is greater than all the world's leaders. Mm. Daniel 9.26 says he will rise in Europe. Revelation 13.4 says he will have satanic power. 
and Revelation 13, 16 through 18 says he will create complete con- economic control of the Western economies with a mark on the right hand or forehead on his way to total global denomination. Jimmy, the infrastructure for the government of Antichrist is almost ready. Wow, wow. RC, the, the season is ripe, correct? I mean, we are right there. We're watching this. We've talked about this before. We keep warning people. What would be your encouragement to the body of believers? You know, we look for evidence. You know, we, we know what the Scripture says. I, I like to say on my blog that what we, what we need to do is, is look at a prophecy, look at a, a particular prophecy, and realize that this is absolutely going to happen. It has a perfect track record of happening every time. Over hundreds and hundreds of prophecies are both fulfilled perfectly. There's no reason to assume that the ones haven't been fulfilled won't be fulfilled perfectly. So work backwards from what you know will happen and try to put the, the evidence together of how it might happen. And oh, that's I like really that. That's really what we do. Yes. That's really what we do. I like that a lot. How is it going <laughs> to happen? We, we may not get it absolutely perfect, and I try to say that as much as I can. This is the way it looks like it could happen. And, 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 and it's, so we just keep looking for evidence. We look for how can it be. Mm. R.C. Merle, thank you so much. Your, your website again? is prophecytracker.org. Prophecytracker.org. Folks, go there. Uh, link to it. Uh, give this information out to your friends, to your community. And, uh, you know, do what you can to help alert the body of Christ and the times in which we're living, the urgency of the hour. That's what we use Bible prophecy for, to motivate us to live a pure, productive, holy life in an unholy world. R.C. Merle, thank you so much. We're praying for your family, and uh, we had prayer before we went on today for little Emma, and I understand there's a new Isabel. There is. There's a new baby in the family, just born uh, on the 4th uh, of October, Isabel Rose, and we're just all delighted. Uh, to to have three girls in the same household. So, very blessed, <laughs> Lord bless you, brother. Well, thank you so much, RC. We'll talk to you again. Thank you. God bless you, Jimmy. God bless our listeners. Yes, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung in the Legacy Series, talking about angels and their specific role and when they were created, right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. Back to Prophecy Today, I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. Along with Rick, we have been looking at current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Rick, we're going to go to our legacy series, and it has been consistently one of the favorites of people, and no wonder it's Dr. Jimmy DeYoung uh, and his Bible teachings over the years. That's right, Jimmy. And you know, you people can understand why we love it. We like to hear our dad's teaching. We grew up on that, kind of cut our teeth on that. But so many other people feel the exact same way. They love to hear dad's teaching. Most of this was done at a, with an audience in front of them. And so it was the way he liked to communicate. And uh, it's just uh, it's, it's, it's a joy to hear. It's a joy to listen to. But it's also so much good information. It sure is. You know, over the years, people who heard Dad on the radio uh, had never, some of them had never heard him speak, and now they get to hear his passion for teaching the Word. Last week, we started our study on angels, and we found out that angels act as guardians for all of us who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And in addition to that, angels are fellow servants with us as we serve the Lord. In today's study, we'll see when angels were created, But before that, let's look at what angels do at the time of our death. So if you will, go with me to Luke chapter 16 as we find out 
about angels in the Legacy Series with Dr. Jimmy DeYoung. Look what angels do at death. Go to chapter 16 of the book of Luke. Luke chapter 16. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more times I think about the eternity future and uh, what's going to be happening there and how I'm going to enter into eternity future. <laughs> but on the other side, I know what's going to happen. Look at Luke. Luke here. Uh, and, and in the book of Luke, chapter uh, 16, verse 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died. This is the rich man in Lazarus. And the beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. And that Abraham's bosom, a Jewish phrase meaning to the location of those who are saints for the future. Angels are going to gather us around, taking us into his presence. Angels at death. Well, angels are key in Bible prophecy. They were key in the life of Jesus Christ. They're key in our lives today. But where did angels come from? When were they brought into existence? Many people talk about the fact that angels were actually prehistoric creatures. The word prehistoric is an oxymoron, which means it doesn't mean anything. There is no such thing as prehistoric. God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit were the only thing before history began. When did history begin? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning. That is the beginning of history. When does it disappear? We move after chapter 20 of the book of Revelation and the, the time of the great white throne judgment, verse 11. We move into eternity future. There is no time in eternity future. In order to have history, you have to have time. And the only time existence has been in existence is from in the beginning. And it's always all the way over to the great white throne judgment. Nothing prehistoric. Angels were not prehistoric creatures. Angels were a part of God's creation. In the book of Exodus chapter 20 and verse 11, the Lord says, In six days, that would be six 24-hour days, I created the heavens, the earth, and all that in them is. What day of creation did the Lord create angels? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go to the book of Job, chapter 38, and let's see if we can get some information that will help us know the day that God created angels. Job, chapter 38. You remember Job, of course. Job is the story of uh, a, a man who... God had blessed. Job is probably the oldest book in the Bible. And Job is living probably before the patriarchs. He's living in the area of uh, Israel uh, because in some of his descriptions of uh, what would be considered dinosaurs there in chapter 40 and following, it describes them at the Jordan River. Job was a man who had health and wealth and family. And uh, the devil one day in chapters 1 and 2 appeared with the angels and God to talk about uh, Job. And, and, and the devil said to God, said, hey, the only reason he worships you is because you give him everything. You take everything away from him, he'll quit worshiping you. When the Lord said, okay, I'll tell you what, devil, I'm going to allow you to take everything except his life from him. You can take his wealth, you can take his health, you can take his family, but you can't take his life. Now go at it and we'll see what he does. Well, that's the record of the book of Job. 
the Lord decides he better visit Job. He's going to have a conversation with Job, and he speaks rather loudly so all of Job's neighbors can hear what he's saying. Here's what he said, chapter 38, the book of Job. Then the Lord answered out of the whirlwind, and he said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? In other words, you're asking me questions. You don't have the knowledge of really what you need to know. Verse 3, Gird up now thy loins like a man. Stand up, Job. Be a man that you ought to be. For I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Here's the first question the Lord asked. Verse 4, Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Okay, Job, you got a problem? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare it, if thou hast understanding. Verse 5, who hath laid the measure thereof, if thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it? Now look here in verse 6, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? They're foundations for the earth, where are they fastened up, Job? Come on, get with the answer. Or who laid the cornerstone thereof, Job? And then the last statement he makes Verse 7, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Those two phrases, morning stars and sons of God, are angelic creatures. When the sons of God and the morning stars shouted for joy. Now put two verses together, and this is going to help us acquire and a compilation of all the verses that will help us know when angels were created. Verse 4, put this together with verse 7. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth, when the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy? That gives us a clue. Again, you put with the giving of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, The Lord says, in six days I created the heavens, the earth, and all that in them is. Now, he's not talking about six days of billions of years. Because in that same context, he's laying out the plan for the Sabbath, the rest day, the seventh day. And he's not talking about the Jews resting for billions of years. He's talking about them resting for a 24-hour period of time in the seven-day week. So six days, I created the heavens and the earth. The seventh day, I rested. That's what you are to do. We have an idea now that when the Lord created the earth, all the angels were there to shout for joy. The sons of God and the morning stars. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. And let's see what day of creation it was that the Lord created these angels. Chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. What he's left out there was the angels. And so the text should read, not that it's a mistranslation, it's a correct translation, but the Lord does not give us the details all the time about every single thing that happens. When you're looking, for example, and studying the doctrine of the Trinity, you don't do that with one verse. You do it with a compilation of verses, putting together, and it becomes your doctrinal statement on the Trinity. And there's other doctrines that we have to do the same thing. But putting together what Job chapter 38 verses uh, 4 and 7 says, Where were you when I created the foundations for the earth and when the angels sang joy? Now put that in context with this. In the beginning, God created the heavens, angels, and the earth. Now how do I know that's true? Because the text tells us in Job 
when he created the earth, angels sang for joy, praised his name for creating the earth. So it was on the first day, the second act, when the Lord created angels. In the beginning, God created the heavens, the abode of angels, angels, and then the earth. And they rejoiced. They gave praise and honor to Jesus Christ for his creative acts. Now, were these all good angels? The answer is yes. Go to chapter 1, verse 31. Chapter 1, verse 31. And God saw everything. This is at the end of the sixth day of creation. And God saw everything that he had made or created. And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now, this, by the way, I like the uh, Hebrew flavor to this phrase better than I do the English translation. It says, and God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. In the Hebrew, if you translate it properly, abundantly excellent. Isn't that a fantastic thought? Everything he created was abundantly excellent. There were no evil angels at the end of the sixth day of creation. Everything he created was abundantly excellent, was very good. No sin, no activity of falling from Grace with him had happened. At this point, everything was perfect. The end of his creation. Go to chapter 3 and verse 1. And now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. Some place between chapter 1 verse 31 and chapter 3 verse 1, there's the fall of Lucifer. Lucifer, according to the 28th chapter of the book of Ezekiel, was created by God. He was in the Garden of Eden. The text says it. You can read it as well as I can. I'm just trying to save time. And he was the most prominent of all creatures that God had ever created to that point in time. But the text in chapter 28 of Ezekiel says, because of his pride. And you put that together with Isaiah 14, where five times He exercises his free will. You see, angels all have a free will, but they can only exercise it one time. There is no such thing as redemption for angels. They can exercise their free will. They did that. A number of them did that when Lucifer, the name of that angel created, that most prominent of all creatures on the earth at that time, placed in the position of prominence by Jesus Christ, the creator himself, when he decided to rebel against God. I will! I will, I will, I will, I will. Five times exercising his free will. I will be equal with God. I will rise above the heavens. I will be worshipped in Jerusalem. And on and on. He created a perfect being who decided that he was going to be better than the creator himself. And so he exercises a free will and he falls. He falls because of his exercise of rebellion in his free will, never to be redeemed. Indeed, Lucifer and all the angels that rebelled against God with Lucifer will never be redeemed. Their punishment is in the lake of fire, 
prepared for them. And that punishment is eternal. Praise the Lord that you and I can be redeemed through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Next week, as we continue our study on angels, we'll learn how they play a key role in the end-of-time scenario that can be found in Bible prophecy. Please join us for that study. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and the Legacy Series. You know, at the beginning of his teaching today, he was talking about the home going and how he did not look forward to that moment of when he would pass over. But now he knows the sweetness of being able to go home. A friend of ours, a friend of the ministry, sent us a note telling us about her mother, who also passed over. And she talked about the angels that were there. Can you see them? They're in white. I told her I couldn't see them, she says, but I believe that they were there. She had such a peace, and when the doctor came in, she wrote to him, I'm ready to go home. Yes, going home is so sweet for all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ. We might not look forward to that day, but we do know that when we are in heaven, it will be a wonderful place. Well, we have to take a break, and when we come back, Rick and I will take a look at the book and wrap up today's program right here. Prophecy Today Weekend. I'm Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. Over 200 Iranian people, mostly women, have been murdered since nationwide protests broke out against the regime on September 17th. Thousands have been arrested since then. Joe Willie with Sat7 USA says this time Iranian men are standing up alongside women. In 2021, Sat7 had 47,000 discussions with Iranians over social media channels. Now, authorities have throttled the internet, but that doesn't affect satellite TV. Ask God to continue changing Iranian culture. And Bibles for the World recently participated in a large evangelistic event in Mongolia. They worked with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association in Mongolia's capital city of Ulaanbaatar. Over 2,000 people said they would follow Jesus. John Podidi says they distributed 38,000 Gospels of John as people left the arena. Now, the ministry will provide 250,000 more Gospels of John, which will be distributed by partners throughout the country. Mission Network News, a service of One Way Ministries. I'm Ruth Kramer. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on bookstore or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. And along with Rick, we have been examining over the last hour and a half 
world events and what's taking place, not only geopolitically, Rick, but we've been examining even our friend Tom Myers and then R.C. Merle talking about uh, the replacement of the dollar on the world reserve. Uh, man, there's just so much happening in our world. And as we look at that, it does help us uh, to understand where we are on God's timetable. One of the things that I appreciated that you did, Jimmy, is that you asked many of the people that you interviewed, why do you do what you do and, and, and what about it? And I tell you, in our first interview with Ken Timmerman, and he's talking about, he's essentially talking about a nuclear apocalypse, and that's very scary uh, overall. And uh, just just having the assurances we have in Scripture, it gives us an assurance, Jimmy, that uh, that God has a plan for us, doesn't it? It sure does, and that's the comforting thing. And if you were to take any comfort in this, it is knowing that you know God holds everything. See, He controls it all. He controls what world leaders do. And yes, if it's a nuclear apocalypse, yes, uh, that would be devastating on the world. That would help us to understand, you know, where where the world is and why it's important that we do what we do. When I did talk to R.C. and to Tom Myers uh, about why we do this. And and you said it at the beginning. It's hope. We're offering hope. Uh, We understand what God's role is for us. And we're just normal people. Tom Myers is just a normal guy, but he's used Bible memorization to help him to make a proclamation in the land in a time when people need it the most. R.C. Merle, his testimony of sitting on a plane and uh, I mean he first read the book The Late Great Planet Earth but then sitting on a plane with a Bible uh, theology professor from a seminary in Kentucky and then all of a sudden he understands justification and and uh, everything about the scriptures and it really came to light to him and he understood what he should be doing we all have a role to play in this world in which we live in, even if we work in the in the mundane world and, you know, uh, we have jobs to go to, we all have a role, whether it's at that job or in our family, in church. And a lot of churches today aren't teaching Bible prophecy, Rick. Uh, you and I both know that as we go from place to place. Uh, it's one of the things that is the least taught, but we all have a role and we could take an understanding of all the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation and and help people to understand uh, why the world is acting as it is and where we are in God's timetable. I agree. And we've talked about it on this program before. This is not a newspaper reading of Scripture. We're looking at Scripture initially, and that is what we're basing things off. And that's why I think that Tom Meyer's uh, interview was so great because what does he do? You go back to scripture, you hide that word in your heart. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if he's going to memorize that, and when you memorize scripture, you have to internalize it. You have to, and it comes to the top of your mind, even almost involuntarily. And I know I will never be as good as dad was, Jimmy. We talked about it before, dad, and, and you too as well, can recall so many scriptures and it comes to mind just from that study. Uh, so I think that's important. We're not just looking at current events uh, just because we are news junkies. We're looking at Bible prophecy and then we're correlating them with current events that are taking place and showing how this could be what's going to take place in the future. Well, very interesting to listen to Dave Dolan today, as well as he talked again, another update on the Temple Mount, and it continues to be a center of controversy, even more so. And we've seen that progression of more of a Jewish interest and Jewish presence on the Temple Mount over the last 30 years, haven't we? 
Oh, sure have. And I would encourage folks to get uh, our, uh, and just this is a shameless plug, but uh, a video that we did ready to rebuild, revisited. Uh, our first video that Dad ever did was about the process to rebuild the temple. Well, this is that was 1991. This has gone on to today. We've revised it, uh, and we could still take people today. It is one of the, if not the most visited site in the world. Rick, you and I believe it's the most holiest site in the world, according mm-hmm. to Scripture. We understand that there's a struggle for control of this site, and that goes all the way back to uh, the Garden of Eden. And it's going to be into the future until Jesus Christ comes down and touches his feet on the Mount of Olives. He will then go across and rebuild his temple. But before that happens, there's a seven-year period of time called the Tribulation Period, Um, And before that, the rapture of the church. But as we see people, the interest in Israel growing and growing um, every, every single day, every single year, getting much more intense. Uh, People involved in the rebuilding process, which it's not just, you know, the hammer and nails and and uh, uh, wood and and stones and gold and all that stuff for the building. But there are utensils, there are priestly garments, all of those things. You know, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. And that is for a temple that is not the temple that Jesus Christ will build. It is a temple that the Jewish people will build during the tribulation period. John was told to measure that temple in Revelation chapter 11. Jesus talked about that temple. Daniel talked about it. We've talked about it a lot on this program. Folks, the reason we keep mentioning it is that, yes, in the short amount of time, and it may seem like a long time, but it's really a short amount of time, uh, God is moving parts and pieces into place for the future. And then, Jimmy, of course, R.C. Murrow, always with uh, well-rehearsed and well-organized information, news that we can use as uh, as we put together uh, things that are taking place right now, setting the stage for Bible prophecy to take place. You know, R.C. has a financial background, um, which I really like. That really helps him in his thought process. You have a, a background, Rick, in that in finance and in your MBA. You have a, a, a way of thinking. Everybody, and what I've taken away from his, I mean, we've talked about this before, and yes, money is going to play an important role, and the Antichrist is going to use that in the future, but what I took away from this is that we can use our backgrounds, how God made us as we study God's Word, and and that's how it will help us to teach it to others, and that's really the responsibility that we have in today's world, number one, to give glory and honor to God for all that we do and in all that we do, and then to to use that information to tell others of the the Word of God, Bible prophecy, to help others, to encourage them to finish that race, to run a race for the prize of the high calling. So, uh, Rick, thank you so much for joining with me today and for doing all the work that you did. Uh, Hopefully, people will get uh, an understanding of where we are on God's timetable. It was my pleasure to do it, Jimmy. After all that we've seen, Rick, uh, and listening to our partners today again, all we can say is that, man, it looks like the rapture could happen at any moment. Let's keep looking up until. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today. Prophecy Today.